On Double Times 5, episode 36, pale white skin, pitch black hair, and dead staring eyes. No, it's not Whitby Gothic Weekend, it's J-Horror. And specifically, Japanese ghost stories with One Miss Call and Dew on the Grudge coming up later as our features, plus a bunch more spooky stuff along the way. Moshimoshi, my name's Cliff, I've got a cold, my voice is fucked. <laughs> and my fellow cursed apparitions are Luke, Bryony, CJ and Emily. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, wow, well, it's the actual Japanese and Bryony. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's good morning, though, sorry. <laughs> okay, well, people can listen to this any time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, did you all have good Christmases? Any horror-related festivities to report? I got to see my insides. <laughs> That's true. They really? showed me photos. <laughs> I had surgery and they showed me all my insides. That was grim. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. I had surgery once and they gave me a book of photos with my insides. That oh, was nice. It's like being on a roller coaster and you get a photo at the end. Emily, did they do it like a flip pad thing? Or those <laughs> flip storybooks? No, it was just a lot of brightly coloured psychedelic stuff. I'd just woken up and I was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, no, that, that's what your insides look like. Don't worry, everyone's do. Okay, that's good. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been on holiday. I went to Tenerife for a week. I uh, just got back yesterday. It was lovely and sunny and summery and, and very nice. Um, but there was a bit where we went on a coach trip up a volcano and about ooh, five minutes in, a little boy in a baseball cap um, puked on the coach into a plastic bag and then gave the plastic bag to his dad and his dad just put it somewhere. I don't know where. I mean, this we this wasn't altitude sickness. This was while we were still at sea level. And um, I thought this is how zombie outbreaks begin, isn't it? Yeah. Someone, someone being sick uh, on a coach. And... At least he wasn't sick into his hat, though. No, but I, 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 I was sure that was going to happen. Anyway, that might be, that might account for why I have caught Lurgy. So I blame the boy. Anyway, uh, before we get ghostly, let's go through our highs and lows since the last episode. So let's start with uh, Luke. I think because we're doing our highs and lows of the year at the end, I'm not going to do my actual low of this, like proper low of this month. So I'm, I'm going to say my low is going to be Wrinkles the Clown, mm-hmm. which... Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, Wrinkles the Clown is a documentary where it's meant to be that parents phone up this clown and he comes to people's houses and then scares the kids if they're being badly behaved. But none of these parents actually have footage of the clown and the whole documentary is just talking to the kids of what they would do if they met Wrinkles the Clown and it's really, really boring. So is it a real why. documentary? Yeah, it's a real documentary, but there's right. also they it's it's like acted out in a weird way as well where they add in a, a twist, but it's horrendous. Okay. Um and then my high I watched Black Christmas again, the uh, the old the old one, the uh, proper one, the nineteen seventy four, the old one, which is is still fantastic. I think it's still one of the best slashers. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my high. Yeah, I rewatched. I've not seen that that much in my life, maybe three times ever, and I really like I like it more every time I watch it, and I really like how um, I noticed this time it's really kind of verite. It feels. It feels documentary-like in uh, some scenes. just feels like you're observing this sort of life of this little town and there happen to be some horrible murders going on, but it's not even the main focus of the film. And it's it's a really odd and unsettling way of doing a slash film, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's one of the best Christmas horrors as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really good. It's really Agreed. good. Brownie? Um, well, that's my high as well, actually. I watched it for the first time on Christmas Day, um, the old Black Christmas, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I really liked every character um because they were sort of well-rounded um funny the sort of the woman who looked after the students 
Margot Kidd uh, is especially good in it. Mm, she's so yeah, she's funny. Fashion. So funny. But yeah, it was the sort of the first type of that slasher film I've ever actually seen. Um, and at first I was a bit underwhelmed, but then I realised, you know, I'm a spoiled child of the 90s. And when this came <laughs> out, it was obviously um, quite groundbreaking. So mm. I really enjoyed it from a historical standpoint. Yeah. Um, and my low... I mean, I haven't really watched many films that aren't J-horror. Um, so I don't really have a low this month. I've not really watched a bad film, which has been nice. Ooh, um, maybe you have two highs. Do you have another high? Uh, another high? I'm re- I rewatched Better Watch Out. And I know CJ, I think that was my high last December. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still I think really it was my it. low last December. It was your low, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so again, yeah, I really enjoyed Christmas-themed killy, stabby, stabby, stab films this month. Um, <laughs> All right. Emily? Um, my low is going to be my low of the year, but um, as far as I've not watched much that isn't J-horror or indeed Paddington 2, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> not thematically appropriate, though you could probably turn it into a horror movie quite easily. But anyway, due to, well, the news being depressing and the winter being depressing, I've been going for, for my usual camp retro shit. So I suppose if I do have a low, uh, it's The Devil Rides Out, which is a... It, it looks great, but it's a very underwhelming hammer. It's basically Christopher Lee being a bit cross oh. at some Satanists. And normally I normally I love any any of the hammer stuff and the Christopher Lee stuff, but this is just, you know, it's not the best. There's some nice robes in the ceremony at the end. That's about the most exciting thing about it. <laughs> um, and my high is one of my favourite movies, um, everyone's favourite um, undead biker uh, folk horror movie, Psychomania. Um, watch that. Uh, earlier today for about the seventh time and it's still brilliant oh. and ridiculous and i absolutely love it i sort of get those two confused because psychomania sounds like it should be the devil rides out and the devil rides out should be the the biker mm. one yeah um psychomania is also called the think the death riders in, or death wheelers or something and it's what it's got a couple yeah. of aka titles but um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah cj as with everybody else i watched a lot of j-horror this month and not a lot else uh obviously a few hallmark christmas films as well mm. um, <laughs> no, don't please don't um, <laughs> can you can you go through every single one that you watch please <laughs> <laughs> sure why not um so <laughs> i watched a christmas to remember a christmas village no. Uh, 12 days not of having giving, it. Uh, a Blue Ridge Mountain not Christmas, it. Rock and no, Roll Christmas. No. CJ, did you just say Christmas Gimp? No. Because <laughs> I've not seen any of these Hallmark Christmas movies, so clearly they're... I, I haven't out. seen uh, The Christmas Gimp, no. But, no, well... Uh, sadly, uh, that one remained uh, zipped up. Um, I'll ask you again, <laughs> CJ, what are your horror highs and lows of the My month? horror highs and lows? Well, I really, I really only watched three films, so of those, the, the <laughs> low was definitely a legit low. It was the Black Christmas remake, yeah. um, which I just found enormously tedious. Um, it's like it doesn't acknowledge that horror films have been doing progressive and indeed feminist themes for a long time. Uh, and just kind of goes, if we smash you over the head with it, then you'll think that this is really clever. Uh, and it's really not. It's very dull, very pedestrian. Um, I did not enjoy it at all. It's just a subtext in search for text. Um, so that sucked. Yeah, 
I wanted to walk out after 20 minutes, but I was like, I'll carry on watching it, thinking maybe it would get better, but it really doesn't. It's one of the worst. It can't even really be a remake. It's just a sorority house, and that's all it has in common with the original. Mm. There's not a lot of Christmas in it either. Um, no. So just, yeah, it felt like a very odd thing to do. Like a very odd film to choose to sort of remake with a feminist reading as well, given that people have already acknowledged that the original mm. kind of has one. So, yeah, there's all sorts of feminist readings you can have from the original. Why does it need to? Yeah, why does it need to be shockingly unsubtle? I, I don't mm. know. But yeah, as, as opposed to the uh, the total subtlety of ah, pink cat, pink cat. <laughs> <laughs> At least we can all have a laugh about that, though. Eh? <laughs> uh, Did anyone else like... catch uh, the new Black Christmas in the day and a half it was in the cinema? <laughs> 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 It has like one screening a day in the cinema near me now, and that is only 11 p.m. at night. Uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't been able to see it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rush out. No. Uh, so, and your high, CJ? Well, my high is not really a high. It was just the least worst. Um, <laughs> it's a film called Polaroid, which oh, yeah. is uh, no. It's, it's it's not good. I'm not. I'm not going to say shit. it's good, but it's <laughs> what, what what I liked was it was. Uh, I watched it on Christmas Day, so, you know, in a sort of post-dinner food haze, and it offered nothing unchallenging, but on the bright side, it offered nothing unchallenging. It was <laughs> it was just really like, oh, there's a cursed Polaroid camera, and people are going to die one by one, and it's very J-horror-inspired, um, and, it, and it's just so gentle and simple that I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll enjoy that. It was It was nice. But I, I I can appreciate Luke's take that it is not a you know it's certainly not a radical or did you enjoy the uh, the bullying when they call a girl that wears a scarf scarf, scarf girl, girl. <laughs> the one that has a camera camera girl yeah how'd you like that scarf girl <laughs> yeah I, I I do actually love like ineffectual bullies in a in a horror film uh, it's a, it's a trope that I enjoy uh, when they're just really naff. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it just sort of played to a lot of things that I have a soft spot for without any legitimate reason. Um, and yeah, it was it was fine. All right. Um, I feel a bit bad about my low, uh, not least because CJ, it's your probably favourite film of the year, I think, Satanic Panic. But, yeah. it's, but also because it's not the horror aspect that I hated about it. It's fine as a sort of splatter movie with monsters and that, but uh, it's the comedy. I found it irritating to start with and by the end i was just like i hate this fucking film this is so unfunny i just oh, I just, it was just didn't well, i really liked just, it it was like a like a really good sitcom with splattery bits yeah oh, i just yeah, hated absolutely. the there's just a sense of humor just but, didn't work for you, me at you all you only like toilet humor no, that's not well, that's, true. That's it not is true. true. <laughs> that's not true. It's not true. Because you're, you're always like, oh, yeah, I watched this zombie film where like people got smeared in poo and a toilet exploded. <laughs> and, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's not. I don't only like toilet humor, but do. I don't like. I don't like that particular kind of American snark kind of. They're just mugging and and just. Oh, it's really hammy and. It was oh, a little bit that. like the the humor in the earlier seasons of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which exactly. was actually quite yeah. good till it kind of I, jumped the shark. If you're not on board with that i could see that you would find no i don't i just don't like that sort of thing that kind of american style of of modern humor it's 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 not not for me i find it uh shit basically um so that's why i hated satanic panic but if you if you're fine with the sense of humor then yeah i'm sure it's good i just found it incredibly annoying um my high is dark touch from 2013 
which was directed by Marina Devan, who did um, Don Mapo in My Skin. And it's about a little girl with uh, telekinetic powers that she doesn't realise how strong they are. So she's a bit of a mini carry. Uh, there's a brilliant massacre at the start, really gory. And it's great. It's just got a shit title, though. When I look back in a few years' time and go, what the fuck was Dark Touch? I won't have a clue, because such a mediocre title. I think I assumed that it would be something to do with child abuse, possibly mm. just from the title. Um, or maybe <laughs> maybe I've just spoiled it. <laughs> I didn't realise it. But, My head immediately uh, went to um, Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I think CJ was thinking of The Bad Touch by Bloodhound. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible title, anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, now it's time to move on to this month's theme, which is Japanese ghost stories. And our first Japanese ghost story is Takeshi Maker's 2003 film, One Missed Call. Um, and because I couldn't find an English language trailer of this, I've employed... Uh... Are you going to translate? Wait, wait for it, wait for <laughs> it. It's my favourite thing when you do this. <laughs> it's, 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 I've translated it for you. <laughs> What's going on? It's my own cell number. I knew it. She was murdered. Murdered? What do you mean? She gets you through the phone from the address book of the dead person's cell phone. One bit into the next. There's a reason for everything. No death is unexplainable. She gets you through the phone. 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 She gets the future, playing their final words before they're killed by a supernatural force. It just reminded me um, of, you know, the good Final Destination films where there's like something spoopy and it's a little bit creepy and the deaths are fun. Yeah, it's very Final destination isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just it felt like a good romp that I didn't have to think too hard about, which I enjoy because <laughs> thinking is hard. Um, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I just really, I don't know, it was fun. I like a fun film because I was expecting more ghostly stuff um, from it where it was just sort of spoopy. Spoopy phone stuff. Well, the ghost that turns up at the end does look really good. Much better than most of the ghosts in these films, I thought. I can't like, remember really... the ghost from the end now, actually. More, more kind ghost? of Suspiria type just... witch. The, the oh, drippy, right. drippy yeah. gooey one. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, CJ, you've um, sort of changed your tune on this, haven't you? Yeah. I think we've had the same a... experience, actually. It's, it's a bit of a weird one. I, like, mm. I've never had this in all my years of re-watching films, but uh, I first watched this, like, probably 2004, when I was very, very, very deep into this J-horror stuff, and especially uh, Takashi uh, Mika. And uh, I think maybe I was just smarter then, or maybe I was more in tune with it. But I just watched a completely different film this week when I when I rewatched it because if you'd asked me about One Miss Call, I would have said exactly what Bryony just said that you know oh it's a bit of a romp it's quite mm. funny it's it's a really good accessible example of the genre but I don't know when I rewatched it I found it really slow uh, I didn't find it particularly rompy uh, it just wasn't the film I remembered it at all it, it, it was like I was just watching a completely different film. Mm. So I thought the same, and and I, I think you said that you remembered the TV studio scene, the TV show scene being the, the, the big climax. climax yeah. It's right halfway through, isn't it? And, and, yeah, and it just yeah. doesn't get it doesn't recover from that best bit being 
halfway through the film. No, not at all. That's a great scene, and the first yeah. the first death is brilliant as well. Oh. The you know falling off the bridge, and yeah, yeah. that kind of moment where you realise what the the curse is is, is awesome. Um, but weirdly, those are the only two scenes that I could actually remember, and the rest of it was just like, yeah, this is really slow, yeah. and and the ultimate kind of. Uh, reveal, I guess, of, of why this is happening was was quite disappointing. It was it was not as exciting as I'd remembered it being at all. So yeah, mm. Emily, had you seen it before? Uh, no, I hadn't seen it before. And I think with these films, I, with the the J horror in general, I think this was about the sixth or seventh one I'd watched. And I think if I'd watched this first, um, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But there's mm. there's plenty of bits that I, that I did enjoy. I mean, I quite like the idea of the sort of the ghosts being caught up in technology. Um, and yeah, deaths were good. Um, Drippy ghost was good. Um, it, yeah, there were some bits that were quite that were quite humorous, and the, the general idea of the getting the call from your own cell phone and it's <laughs> you screaming in the future, especially as it relates to the first death, is genuinely really eerie and really interesting. But I feel like it kind of um, it kind of loses steam a little bit towards the end, and it becomes a little bit too kind of generic, I suppose. But <laughs> it, this was one of the better ones. Yeah, I like the way that it does. It does keep changing in the second half. It keeps changing mm. what sort of film it is, where the narrative is heading, and um, stylistically as well, which kind of stops it from being boring exactly. But I was thinking this is just never going to end, is it? It's just going to keep changing focus. It's going to mm. keep coming up with new things, new mysteries, yeah, revelations about things I don't particularly care about. Just until until the t- end of the world, it's never going to end. Is how I felt about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I was already enjoyed this one. Like I watched it in university. That was the first time I watched it was in university. And then this time around, I've got the sort of same opinion as you that it's it's pretty slow. But I, the thing that I like about it the most is that you never see the thing until the end of the film that is killing them. And mm. then the, mm. the the remake decided to show something every single time. But I like that this decides to never really show anything when when killing them. So is there ever an explanation for why it's through the phone? Because I don't know if I just I don't out. think there is, well, no. No, there is. I felt like that was so. a missed opportunity because. Uh... One missed opportunity. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nice. I reckon it was just probably because it was that time where they'd already done like a VHS. Yeah. Yeah. They'd already, they'd already done, well, about to do with a computer and they thought, all right, let's let's use a phone so it, yeah, yeah sort of seems to be the right I just thing wish to do. they'd tied in the you know the origin of the curse with the nature of the curse well she was off. beaten to death with her own phone <laughs> <laughs> lady Maybe chugged to death on a Nokia that. flip phone and ever since then because <laughs> Takashi Mika's a good director you at least feel like you're in the hands of a capable filmmaker with this one um mm. so that's good I think because it's it's well made. It's, it's better made than I. I mean, they put my cards on the table. I don't like these films, these Japanese ghost stories. They don't Ooh. really don't. They really don't do much for me. Um, they are mediocre at best. They oh. tend to be really dull. Most of them really flatly shot. Um, they've, they've, the storylines they feel like internet creepy pasta that have just been extended to hundred minutes for no reason. Yeah, it's it's annoying. I, I'm not a fan. Wow. I went in with a, a sort of similar opinion to you actually because I've seen like only a handful of J horror stuff and it's it's weirded me out. But I haven't watched J horror for years. Um, I haven't really experienced any J horror until that creepy, creepy haunted house I went to in Tokyo last mm. year. And so I went in going, I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy myself, but I had so much fun this month with these. 
For me, it's not J horror as such. It's not all Japanese horror by any means, but it's just these ghost stories. I don't don't find ghost stories interesting. I I genuinely jumped, not in this film, but in a couple other films. Mm. I I went oof, Um, which made me. Yeah, I think I think we've we've started on a on a fairly low note, but um, there's some great ones. But hopefully we will. This was the first one I watched, which is maybe why I liked it so much. And then you guys started you guys started slagging it off, and I was like, hang on. And I had to Wikipedia (laughs) it, and I was like, oh yeah, the jawbreakers and the child abuse. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. That I thought that was a different film. No, I like I like I like things like I like those sort of touches. Those kind of yeah, the everyone uh, jawbreaker whatever Mm. it is falls out of someone's mouth every time they die. That's Mm. that's a nice touch. I like that. And the the scene in the TV studio Mm. where they're counting down to the moment that, that she dies she's yeah. to die yeah. live on tv <laughs> and there's an exorcist there and it all goes mad um yeah. that's, I, that's i love that scene that's great i wish i wish that could have been the whole film almost like if, if they'd just done a yeah. sort of nice 80 minute film around the idea of mm. this death curse and a tv show that plans to show it i think that would have that been, really been really good yeah yeah because he does a, a real sort of like slight satirical look at the way the tv people are yeah. Um, so yeah, they, that we definitely could have done that as like a ninety-minute movie. Yeah, it really livens up at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, should we move on? The film that had the most cultural impact of this subgenre, the one that got a scary movie parody, even is Hideo Nakata's Ring. Uh, Grudge also got a scary movie parody. Oh, did it? Yes, okay, it did. I, I don't remember that part of a scary movie film. Um, but anyway, so, um, scary movie. It was the, it was the fourth. It was the fourth yeah. film that did the did the Grudge. Good. Yeah, just the bit where Anna Faris walks into the Grudge house and looks up at the Toshio child, and yeah. they they start talking, but not in in like pidgin Japanese. So they're like Mitsubishi. Oh, it's, right. okay. it's really racist, but yeah. quite funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Hideo Nakata's Ring, not to be confused with the porno parody Hideous Naked Ring. Fucking after last month, there are Italian zombie films. I wish there was a porno one of these. It might be <laughs> things off a bit. <laughs> there probably is. She there must be. We, we there must be. Enough, there is no way that this genre exists and, and a porn parody does not. Um, <laughs> well, some, yeah, there is definitely one probably just called Ring. Mm. And that is probably yeah, of course. Yeah. That's a given. Uh, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to search for this without ending up <laughs> just search, list. Just search J-horror porno and just see oh, what yeah, appears. But, but, but then it's going to come up with like horror porn or, you know, something that's going to be, you know, you can't wipe just it from your mind up. once you've seen Hopefully it. Hopefully it's just, it's just the ring creepy tape, but with some boobs added to it. That's what they're trying to do. Ringu porn parody. <laughs> Let's try that. Yes, there we go. There we go. Yay. You didn't put Pingu, did you? <laughs> Pingu uh, porn parody. Oh, no, it does. Uh, it's like <laughs> hentai. It's not. Um, Where did that come from? Where did what come from? There we go. <laughs> Why do you have that to hand for a horror podcast? Um, because I assumed someone was going to say Ringu at some point. <laughs> Fair. Uh, it looks like there is uh, some Ring-inspired porn out there, but I'm I'm going to close that window before I get arrested. You're going to minimise it for later on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Ring. Yes, that's a film. It is, it a, is film. a film. <laughs> like it's it? a really good movie. Everyone likes Ring. Everyone loves yeah. Ring. Yes, Except you, right? Except me, yeah. <laughs> I did go and watch it in the... I went and watched it when it was in the cinema at View this year for the anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember it ending so abruptly. 
That's the only thing I had completely forgot about it. I think the ending's quite good because it yeah. really sets up a new mystery for the sequel. Yeah. I think that's done well. Um, that's one of the better bits of it. It has an interesting structure all around that I think has been used so many times since that you almost take it for granted. Um, yeah, it became kind of a template for a lot of these films and subsequent American films as well that ripped off this, this style. Um, but I just think there's something about the... The images on the tape are just wonderful. Like, like the tape mm. itself is just brilliant. Like uh, you know, that's what you expect a cursed VHS tape to play like, um, and, and it's so creepy. Uh, and of course, the big climactic scene where she comes out the TV. Like I mean, that's it's so hard to make an iconic horror scene now. Like I, I really feel like there hasn't been one for for quite a long time. But but that that is just. Like you know, once you've seen that, you can't get it out of your head. You you're always just gonna flash back to to that moment where she where she comes out the TV, and it's and it's just wonderful. I think you can't you can't put a price on that kind of uh, scene. I I don't have many nice things to say about Ring. I think it's boring. Do you um, not like that scene where she comes oh, out yeah, the TV? Oh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's quite oh. good. I did find the uh, the the tape quite creepy when you first see it the first time mm. I watched it because because mm. it is built up to be scary. It is like this is this could kill you watching this and it does work i think the first time you watch it anyway and i think the concept is sound which um you know the cursed videotape you watch it seven days to live like, that's, that's good but i just think it's not very it's, interesting it's, it's very cold like it's not a emotional film i think i think the american remake of it uh mm. was more accessible in that respect in that it, that it gave the characters a bit more uh a bit more of a sympathetic edge but i i think over time i've come to prefer the japanese version that is so almost clinical um it, it gives me a bit of a Cronenberg vibe the way that the way that it looks the way that it plays the way that the characters are and i, I like that i think there's some weird writing in it that i'm not sure is is um very good. Like at the at the beginning, Asakawa, the main character, she's a reporter investigating the deaths, yeah, yeah, of of these kids, and she asks which school the kids went to, and then it turns out that one of the girls was her niece. So she always fucking knows what school that she went to, surely. I, um, uh, I mean, no. and and then there's a bit where she and the bloke uh, find the message on the tape, the hidden message: "Frolic in brine, goblins be thine." And he goes off to the library to find out what that means. And he phones her up and says, it's about Brian and Goblins. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks. I mean, there may have been something lost in translation. Though, yeah. Maybe. Possibly. I wondered about yeah. that. That's kind of what I yeah. I just enjoyed how kind of um, straightforward it was as a film. Um, so, obviously, Curse is happening and they don't sort of muck about. They do try and solve it. I liked the, the characters of that, of the reporter and her ex-husband and they were just like, okay, cool, let's sort this. Uh, child, meh. Oh, all right, let's go kill my dad. Film. <laughs> I quite enjoyed all that and it was a good running time. A lot of these films are very long. I think this is only about 95 minutes or something. Mm, it does help, yeah. Mm. Mm. Why do you hate it so much? I just don't find ghost stories interesting. I think it's what it all comes down to. I'm just not scared of ghosts because they don't exist. Ghosts are more than just scary. Like there's there's a sadness to a lot of ghost stories. You know, ghosts are. I don't get sad. Figures. Uh, that's the problem. You don't get sad. Yeah. You don't get anxious. So you don't mm. like films that concentrate on sadness and anxiety. And I think a lot of Japanese cinema does. Mm. I mean, I, I what I did write was what what does Sadako use as hand cream? No, anyone? No, no more nails. 
Ah, very good. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of uh, Hideo Nakata's earlier film, Don't Look Up? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, it was it's a hard watch. It's a stinker, um, isn't it? It's more of just people making a film than actually being creepy. Yeah, you know what the worst thing about filmmaking is? Making the fucking film. It's so boring. So why do we want to watch people make a film for 90 minutes? That one was actually felt, it felt slightly too abrupt because that one's like about 80 minutes, I think. Yeah, um, probably, yeah. And, yeah, no, um, it is, yeah. The pace is all, is all over the place, but there were some bits that kind of worked. And when you actually have the creepy coming in at this sort of documentary style, you know, um, way of the story unfolding of the behind the scenes stuff, that, that kind of worked. But then it just all seemed to just, it all just seemed to uh, wrap up far too quickly. It was one of those films that had potential and had interesting stuff in it, but I don't think I'd want to sit through it again. I mean, the the, the laughing ghost woman, she's kind of quite a good villain, but it's very dull. Sejo, have you seen that? No, unfortunately I've seen the remake that Fruit oh, really? Chan directed, and oh. that was so bad, it just scarred me from, from ever going back and watching the original. Right. Um, the, the remake is absolutely worthless, so I don't know if it just was a faithful remake and this is a bad movie, um, but yeah, the remake's horrendous. Okay. So, so bad. Nakata's other big film is definitely an improvement, it's 2002's Dark Water. That's my absolute favourite of all of these films. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. I think it's one of the best horror films ever made. I think it's a full five stars. I just think it's beautiful. It does everything that a ghost story should do. Uh, it's very traditional in a lot of ways. Um, I think, you know, it feels almost like some of the Western ghost stories like Shelley Jackson, M.R. James has that kind of vibe, maybe even a couple of direct references at times. Um, and it And it just works on so many levels. There's like there's a real emotional core to it. You you, you can kind of read it in a an ambiguous way. I think the ghost story works well if you read it in the supernatural way. Uh, I think it it just has such a great atmosphere to it and really evokes that kind of urban entropy that the the short story does that it's that it's based on. Uh, even though it does a lot of things very differently, uh, it's just great. I think it's a masterpiece. You're going to say it's boring. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, um, I like the kind of domestic drama stuff about the woman in a custody battle and all that kind of stuff. That that will work for me. But then they start trying to make you scared of a bloody red Mimico bag and stuff that's scary about it at all. It's sort of it's unsettling rather than scary, I would say. Mm. That's what they're going for anyway. And her kid says mama even more than Peter Bark in Burial Ground. <laughs> mama, mama. <laughs> Um, also, I did a double take when uh, Ms. Matsubara's name first appeared in the subtitles. I was like, Ms. Matsub- what? <laughs> and I had to check whether in the remake Jennifer Connolly's character is called like Ms. Fignorin or something like that. <laughs> but, but no. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, so, am I in the minority on this one again? I, yeah, I, th- I think it is, a, is one of the best ones of these. Yeah, I really like this. It's weird and it's got a real kind of emotional heft to it. So, yeah, I, I really like this one. Did you hear about the uh, whole Elisa Lamb story? Elisa Lamb? Elisa Lamb. So there's some CCTV footage of her getting into a lift uh, and doing some weird stuff. And then her body was then found in the water tank. And it was all very similar. Oh, to yes, I have heard about this. Yeah. In dark water. Yeah. So what was this after the film? Come out yeah, it was or? after the film, but it was just had very, it was a lot of similarities to what happened in the film happened to her in real life yeah it happened in canada i think didn't it people in the um hotel had noticed that the water in their sink was turning black 
And it's because there was a body in the water tank. Okay, what's the lift got to do with this? Even if you watch the footage of her in the lift, it's very J-horror in from what it does. It, it is one of the really gross things in the film as well, is it's thinking about, you know, obviously spoilers, but, but what happens in the water tank. And you, you, you do, like, really think, oh, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> and a, lot, a lot of these films don't have that, that kind of grotesque element. Um, but but yeah, that it, this this one has that as well. Where you just like Jesus, and when you say that that actually happened as well, it's like oh. Mm. What's the remake of this one like? Not very good. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. The remake. It, it's it, it's a pretty straight retelling. Like it doesn't try and change too much, but it just has none of the intelligence or the atmosphere or uh, just it's it's not scary. It's not heartbreaking the way this is. It's very generic which is a shame okay. alright uh, let's talk about one more well known entry in the genre before doing a bit of a deep dive uh, so it's Kiyoshi Kurosawa's 2001 film Pulse in which there's no more room on earth so the dead will come up your dial up internet connection saved <laughs> <laughs> <Sage> well <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like the fact the ISP is called Uranus Uranus whatever you know. yeah I you You can put an at sign in that. It still looks. It oh, looks yeah. makes it look even more like anus. Your anus. <laughs> oh, I dug this until it got silly. Um, I'm not a fan of um, spoopy computer movies, as you might know. Like I just find them really, really tedious. Just like, yeah. oh no, the computers. That's scary. <laughs> the scary thing about the ghost is supposed to be that it makes modem noises, and that's not. Yeah. Scary, <laughs> <laughs> and then turns people into shadows because they're all sad. Um, <laughs> That's, yeah, they basically, everyone's a bit lonely, and then the ghosts make them live forever being lonely. This is what I gathered from Pulse. I mean, I was enjoying it, and it was spoopy, um, and I was like, oh, God, it's a computer, scary, ghosty movie that's done well, and then it just got daft. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they live forever, and they're lonely forever. That's, that is, it is that silly. Yeah. I think this one looks the part. It's well shot. It's, yeah, it's got, got good shot. music. Yeah. Um, I just found it really boring again um there's good i like the bit where the woman jumps off the tower that's yeah. really well done that, that actually looks like real because it's all done in one shot and it's yeah. just in the background and you can almost not notice it and oh, yeah, that's that's good but then you get like things that are really unreal like the <laughs> the dialogue between <laughs> two computer students maybe you should change the size of the batch file using the variable Check the properties. Ah, conventional memory. It's like it's like they're just. Is that, just, is that not how you people talk? No, it's like they just flipped through <laughs> like a glossary was... of computer terms and just stuck a pin I, on random I words. I could totally and... believe that. I, I wouldn't yeah. have thought there's anything weird about it. <laughs> it's just bullshit. It's just just. I like the the boy that never really used the internet before, and he's going through the like the disc, and it's it's kind of like um do this now have fun. He's like okay, I'll have fun, and he's like probably like oh no the internet. Yeah. I don't like computers. <laughs> And the woman's trying to explain to him, um, yeah. the, the computer teacher, sort of going, okay, well, you can, um, screen, you can save the page more. and click on it. And he's going, what? Hang on a second, click. What's a page? And just, yeah, just very patient. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Silver Surfers class in the library. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's Maybe that's why it doesn't work for me. It just seems so sort of quaint, this fear of... Um, Fear of the internet stuff. It's it doesn't like it's, it's twenty years old. I mean, yeah, it's it's gonna be like the internet's changed so much in that time. But uh, even though it is twenty years old, it's still so much better than like all the app horror films that are coming out now. Yeah, true. Because like, mm-hmm. it felt a bit slow, like a modem. Hey, um, hey. hey, CJ loved Countdown. Remember? 
Yeah, I oh, them was great. Yeah. Oh. What was the one that I hated? And it was just like, hi, I'm an app and I'm sassy and I'm going to kill you. Was it Bedeviled? Mr. Bedeviled? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was fucking awful. Yes. So in comparison, a, a J-horror internet film made 20 years ago is vastly superior to the stuff that's been churned out yeah, today it's, regarding... It's actually pretty sad re-watching a lot of these films. Even the ones that are not great have just got such a like bar of quality that, you know, just the majority of stuff that you watch now, just even the, the better stuff doesn't even yeah. hit that, that low bar that, that some of these have. Um, I think that's why I had such fun with it this month, because I, I do... I'm not a ghost story person, but I love Japanese ghost stories because they are all just tinged in despair and vengeance and horrible bad things Mm. um because weird shit happens in japan anyway and none of them were like i mean some of them were slow but none of them were like god awful terrible none of them were porn um and i just i enjoyed every single one that we watched i mean i was a little bit bored during a couple of them but there's there's no sex in any of them let alone porn (laughs) No. It's such a sexless genre. There's yeah. no gore, there's no violence. But, but I think oh. that's all part and parcel of what makes it appealing, is it? Because if, if, if there was sex, there'd be more like intimacy and warmth and, and hope. And I don't yeah, think that's what these films are about. Yeah. I mean, half of them about child abuse. Mm. <laughs> that was the theme. Mm. There's a lot of very, very grim stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The general theme was sort of demanding woman ghosts and child abuse. Yeah, it's like, oh, is, is it another spooky woman who had a massive grudge in the rest of the, when she was alive? Oh, do you know what it is? Got a little bit tired of was that. Was she killed violently by any chance? Yeah. yeah. Never gets old, thing. though, does it? You know, it's no. uh, <laughs> Bitches be cray-cray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there are quite a lot of sequels in this subgenre, and we've looked at a couple of them. Uh, the first of them isn't even a sequel to a J-horror film because it's Paranormal Activity 2, Tokyo Night, which, yes, is an official licensed sequel to the Blumhouse Money Spinner. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. Actually, can I take back back what I said about there being a bar of quality? (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely forgot about this one. I mean, this this was quite late, though, isn't it? Like, this is much later than all those other films that we've been talking about. It's 2010. Yeah, this is gash. It's awful. Paranormal activity is all shit. It's all just people being asleep and so like a sheet moves and then people go, ooh. It's absolutely in in tune with the rest of the Paranormal Activity series. Mm -hmm. It is. Apart from the brilliant Marks ones. I mean, it's fucking like a bit of salt scatters on the carpet, a glass breaks, a door opens, a wheelchair moves by itself a bit, which is quite funny because it suggests that the ghost likes to ride around (laughs) on a wheelchair at night. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) Let me have a go. Go on, let me have a go. Wheeling around, knocking over piles of salt. (laughs) I went on holiday years ago to a place in Cornwall, a little village, and it was so bereft of things to do that I sort of signed for their village fate and one of the attractions was have a go on Mary's electric wheelchair, one pound a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, yes, it's tedious, but I mean, I think it's got every right to be tedious because it's a paranormal activity film. Yeah. Mm. I think the uh, lead actress in it is good at screaming. I can say yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I had to keep turning the volume down because it was proper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is one of the, as is quite often a theme with this, this is one of the ones where I fell asleep for 20 minutes in the middle and was woken up by some quite loud screaming. Were you dragged out of bed? <laughs> oh, no, not, not exactly. I was just awake, drooling with a 
my um, tablet computer here. So no. years ago, I had some friends around to try and watch like a paranormal activity marathon. I think oh, there were only four of them out at the time, and, and we got like about halfway through the third one, and we all just like dropped off to sleep because mm. it, it's just so much footage of people sleeping mm. in it's silence. It's the same formula. It's about. 80 85 minutes of slightly spooky things happening and then a crescendo at the end and you're just waiting the entire time for that crescendo but even the crescendo is just somebody gets dragged out of bed and it's yeah. like that's, that's i did like her walking around on her broken feet though that was quite yeah, that's good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I like where she looks up the uh, newspaper article the american newspaper article it, it refers to katie and micah without actually their, mentioning their surnames at all yeah. as if you're <laughs> <laughs> like oh katie and micah from paranormal activity yeah 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the other sequel we've examined is the Ring Grudge crossover mashup thing, Sadako vs. Kaiko. <laughs> that is oh, this so is, good. This was very oh, so ridiculous. So what yeah. a genius. Like, they, I love that they sat down and plotted out how these two completely unrelated ghosts would come to have a fight. Oh, what? And, 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 it, it and it's the, the, the well is in the back garden of the uh, Grudge House. Come on. It's, it's mm. brilliant. Wouldn't this have come up before at some point? This <laughs> no. one did contain a bit that made me properly laugh for about five minutes, and that's when Toshio appears and his head's the wrong way around and he's all blue and, and he's, he comes out of the other kid's body with his head the wrong way and goes, meow. Yeah. <laughs> I know he does cat noise, but it there was, was like so really much times. meowing. They really, like, they really beat you over the head with the meowing on this one. Yeah. It's great. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It's uh, so shit. It's yeah. so shit. What? It's, it's, so it's not. I, I don't understand, it's CJ. You funny. say they spent time plotting how these two things come together. No, half of it is a ring sequel. Half of it is a Juon sequel. And then at the end, the psychic says, "Oh, I think the best thing is if we get Sadako and Kaiko to have a fight." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those plot lines are only there to to bring the two together. Like they don't work as as independent stories. That they're, they're just a really like needlessly complicated way to, to make a ridiculous thing happen. And then it all brings it to the the final version of the video, which is just a Sadako Sadaka coming out who she's suddenly able to kind of bend everywhere and of course there's the inevitable noise and you're like, hmm, I can see that coming. Yeah, yes. rubbish. That's brilliant. And, and I'll tell you what, the theme tune at the end as well. Oh, amazing. Oh, oh that's you banging. Yeah, I can't tune. remember the tune, but the lyrics are like, friendship sometimes, maybe. <laughs> also, Sadako could occur. <laughs> Great fun. Uh, Before I completely lose the will to live, we'd better talk about something that I didn't think was too bad. So let's go back to Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who made Pulse, but redeemed himself in 2006 with Retribution or Sakabi. So it's a detective story, this one. Mm. I thought the mood was good and sombre. I like the macabre detail that all the murder victims have mouths full of seawater, even though they don't die anywhere near the sea. Um, But the detective, he could have found his clues a lot easier if you'd actually switched on a fucking light at some point so just shuffling around in the dark the whole time <laughs> mm. it was fine it was slow paced and i sort of gave up on it being a ghost story and then the ghost appeared and it's like okay but mm. i just sort of treat it more as a detective mystery it's fine very fine detective mystery but i was just tired mm. of needy ghost woman um she was quite and she was unnecessarily angry as well i mean she was a bit mental um <laughs> but she's basically mad that a ferry passed her 15 years ago um, <laughs> the way the way she floats her the way she floats around holding yeah. her face, I, it was like it was like um, a giant Home Alone poster on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> I like when she just sort of jumps off and then she floats off like a bit of paper, yeah, like a plastic bag. I like the bit where um, the detective's colleague gets 
<laughs> dragged into the tiny, yeah, the tiny little bowl. <laughs> it's it's yeah. so stupid. It yeah. had its moments. It was like it was a very serious, serious film. It was very, very serious, and yeah. it was fine, but also just a bit meh. Yeah. Um, I yeah. didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Uh, didn't I didn't like hate it. Didn't it. like it. Didn't like it. Didn't mind it. A um, couple more worthwhile ones from Koji Shiraishi, who made Sadako vs. Kaiko. The Curse on Norai mm, is awesome. very well regarded. I really I, like that. Yeah, I went in not expecting to enjoy it, and I think it was my favourite of all the bunch. Really, really enjoyed that I one. I think I might be with you on that. Um, but I, mean, I, I didn't it, like it. But <laughs> it, it really works, all the different techniques that he uses for the, the you know, documentary, be mm. it the found footage bit, the like Roger Cook style, investigative journalism, the mm. TV bits are brilliant, you know, with like the real actresses and yeah. TV personalities in it. It just feels really smartly done. Um, yeah, it keep, keeps it motoring along as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it it yeah, doesn't yeah. drag because of the whole different, all the different techniques. Yeah, and I think the punchline of what the ghost is and why it's the way it is is just so dark. Like, mm. it's a proper gruesome punchline. Um, and that, like, final shot at the shrine is, is brilliant. Mm. Like, really, really creepy and gross and just... Ugh. I thought the best bit was the bit that turns up halfway through the end credits. Oh, the fire stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was really good. But, I mean, this is the sort of thing. Do you remember on the IMD message boards where whenever there'd be a film like this, some sort of, you know, horror documentary type thing, <laughs> there would always be a question, is this a real film? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love those message boards so much for the amount of wrong-headed stupidity on them. My absolute oh, favourite yeah. thing on the IMDb message boards ever was somebody complaining about animal cruelty, and they'd spell animal and cruelty wrong. Um, <laughs> about a film, about a horse in a film, and the horse is really obviously bad CGI. Hmm. Um, Luke, nor I, the curse? Not a fan. I'm sorry. It's, oh. it, uh, I got partway through and I just. Tinfoil man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tinfoil man's oh, great. great. Why is it so over the top, isn't it? The first time they show a ghost as well, uh, my girlfriend turned to me and was like, That looks like someone with a carry bag over their head and a Minecraft character. You know, they <laughs> zoom in on that little white character just hidden in the shot in the woods. It, I couldn't get behind this, and I don't know. Everything online, IMDb was saying it's one of the creepiest films of all time, and I wasn't creeped out at all. There's, I don't think there was anything frightening about this except for the, the kids face turning weird in that bit credit scene yeah. but that was about it yeah that is the best bit that and i like the um the woman in the woods with all the fetuses yeah, yeah. Good as well. that's, oh, yeah. That's, that's the shot this is one of the couple that i didn't get around to watching but from the description i really feel like i should watch it now it's like what there's a woman in the woods with all the fetuses yeah i think yeah. You'd really it's, it's enjoy quite it. different to all the other ones yeah. that we've mm-hmm. been discussing it has its own identity because I watched um, Tokyo Nights, Paranormal Activity, and then I stuck on um, The Curse almost immediately afterwards, and I was like, oh, for God's sake, it's another fan footage one. But mm. it, 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 it's actually very entertaining. Things actually happen, and it's, it's, mm. it's got a tone to it that just makes it really work, and it's, it's good fun. Well, the other film Koji uh, Shirashi uh, made that we should talk about is Carved, a.k.a. A Slit-Mouthed Woman. Yeah, this one, it's it's batshit, and I, I quite like how batshit it is, and it's also quite unsettling. I mean, the the sort of, the, the, the fact that you've got the horrible things actually happening to small children is quite, it had a real kind of comic booky sort of a feel, uh, appeal, uh, not a, 
Sorry, I'm buffering. It's tough. I've had too much Christmas. I'm mostly cheese at the moment. Um, it had a real sort of comic book feel to it in the sense of the kind of how extreme and weird it is. And also the slip mouth woman is actually a bit of, um, is a Japanese myth that people tell mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. It is horrible. Yeah. Um, it's very silly though. Again, I thought the detective work was total dog shit in this. I mean, oh, yeah. there's, there's, there's a bit where I th- the dialogue I've written down here, it goes, it says here that the slip mouth woman hides children in a house with a red roof. And he goes, Ooh, I used to live in a house. And she goes, did it have a red roof? And he goes, yes. Like, that's, how they, that's how they find the house. Surely as a, as a Jallo fan, you cannot criticise like, detective work. I mean, come on. I they think there's, the prob- I think there's probably that. more detective expertise required to solve Wes's spot. <laughs> some of the effects of her actual slip mouthy mouthiness is uh they look really cool and she looks quite gross but um mm-hmm. I, I don't know i just found it quite dull and um a bit aimless yeah it just drifts in the middle mm. gets violent at the end though that's something yeah yeah the violence favor. is nice yeah mm. but, um i like the beginning where you've got different people telling each other the story as well that, that's quite cool it kind of establishes yeah. it's the whole town where this people are telling the same tale I, don't know, I found that a little bit cheesy but Anyway, um, before we go to our second feature, let's finish this section with one of the films that absolutely bored the living shit out of me. 1999's Tomie, directed by Ataru Oikawa. It's a very long-running manga series. I think this is the problem with it. Um, I think it is probably good if you like the manga and you just want a, a bit of manga transferred to film. If this is your first experience with this character, it's so tedious. She is this Tomia character is absolutely no threat to anyone in this film. She just turns up and is seen in the background a few times and stuff like that. The manga is so much better, and they really did mess this up because it's it's a quite a big series, and there's so much depth to the actual series. Um, and the writer of it, he also went on to have that character appear in other stories as well. But with the film, like this film, I think it's beautifully shot. It looks it's a film that looks great, like. A lot of the shots, I can see you uh, not agreeing with that, but it just isn't anything what the manga does. It doesn't redeem itself at any point, and it's quite a pointless film. And Yeah, I can't believe there's about eight different films as well, mm, and even yeah. one where it's both characters versing each other, which is just called Tomi versus Tomi, which doesn't make any any sense I've got I've got no interest in watching any of these others really um, (laughs) they just get ridiculous after a while moving on to another um, film which is part of a long series our second feature is the third film in Takashi Shimizu's Duon franchise 2002's The Grudge and see what you think I reckon the voiceover on this trailer was just some off the shelf generic voiceover man clip that could be used on virtually any horror film ever all around you it lives and breathes infecting your soul with darkness it compounds your deepest fears drawing you deeper into despair until finally when all hope is gone you realize your darkest hour has only just begun. The Grudge. 
So in case you couldn't figure it out from that informative trailer. (laughs) Uh, The vengeful spirits of a murdered mother and child haunt a variety of people who enter their home. Um, So, as I said, this is the third full-length film in the Juon franchise, and I've been trying to get my head around the different titles and the meanings of the Japanese words. And the first two films were called Juon and Juon 2, or Juon the Curse and Juon the Curse 2, because Juon means the curse. But Noroi also means the curse, as we've already learned. And then the next two films are known as Juon the Grudge and Juon the Grudge 2, because Juon also means the grudge, or possibly even the grudge curse. But I can't call it Juon the Grudge, because every time I hear the words Juon the Grudge, all I think of is... Jewel the Grudge is all mine, all mine. Jewel the Grudge is all mine. When the fuck did you record that? <laughs> when? This afternoon. <laughs> oh, wow. So, CJ, when you chose this theme, your first mm. thought was to make us sit through Juon films and nothing but Juon films, all 13 <laughs> of them. Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've sat through all of them, so I felt like everybody else should suffer as well. <laughs> um, I, I think what, what I do love about the Duran films is uh, uh, Shimizu has such a single-minded vision for these films. Like, I don't know if anybody's watched the two short films that he did, that these, uh, that these were all based on. Uh, the two three-minute films. The first one is just like a little sting where you see Toshio for the first time, and the second one is where you see um, Kayako for the first time. And I think that's six minutes of footage, and yet he's expanded it into 12 feature-length movies. <laughs> and it's incredible because there's not much to them beyond this eternal death curse uh, mm-hmm. that is just unstoppable. Until the third American remake, no one even offers a potential way of stopping this this curse. It's just, yep, yeah, it'll just fuck you up. Doesn't matter if you're good, bad, adult, child, go in that house, get fucked up by ghosts. And I think the third one is the the perfect one, the, the one where it just all works. There's like a lot of these the films. This, this yeah, one. yeah, do you want the grudge? Uh, <laughs> I think, like... You get you get a lot of them sort of repeat the same uh, scenes, the same tropes, the same style. Uh, but the third one just just works. It is so perfectly constructed. The scares are just wonderful. Like there's so many great scares in this. Like even the the bit where she's going up the lift and Toshio just appears on every floor. That's that's mm. a beautiful setup. Yeah, and and where, when uh, Kaiko's under the the bed, that's the, you know it's a classic, but it but it just really works well. Um, you got the the shampoo finger hair thing, which is brilliant, um, and then and then it all leads up to that incredible climax, the the staircase scene, which is the most shit you pants scene in this whole genre. I think the first time I watched that, I was just like, what the fuck. Because it's it's just like uh, Takako Fuji uh, is a contortionist and she is just walking down the stairs painted in the sort of Budo style body paint and that shouldn't be scary but the way the camera just stays on her and that noise in the background mm. it just forces you to keep keep watching her much longer than you want to uh, and it's just it's just brilliant it's so well orchestrated. I was impressed to find out that um, Takako Fuji and Yu Yu Ozeki who plays Toshio were in. Both of the, well, a lot of the early ones, including the American remake. Yeah, the first two American yeah. remakes, yeah. So that's pretty good, the way they transferred those two actors over. Well, uh, Shimizu directed the first two American remakes yeah. as well, so... Well, I think Toshio looks brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's such a strange-looking boy. Mm. Even the way he says his name. Yeah. Toshio! <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, I find them both, especially Toshio, but also Kayako to a point, in this film, too comical. I, I, the way that Toshio just sits around sort of in his pants, drumming his knee, you know, it's not scary. And I think in the remake, um, I think Toshio and Kaiko are much more, are much scarier. I think I've reached the point now where I've watched these films so many times that I do find them more adorable than scary. Um, when, yeah. when, it, when either of them show up, I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I, I, can, I can sort of see your point there. Um, but I, I still say the first time was was scary. Of all the films that we've I've watched, um, so The Curse was my favourite, and this is a very close second because after I finished it, I was like, that was perfect. That was uh, well paced, uh, creepy, strange, tragic, meow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meow, yeah. I mean, I just really enjoyed it, and I, just, yeah. I really enjoy the the idea that uh, if a crime is so horrific. Uh, it seeps into the house and that house is cursed. So it's not like spooky trend. It's, it's the actual act is so horrific and horrible and it just keeps going and going and going. I really like that side of sort of Japanese ghost and horror and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be a theme in their ghost stories. It's, it's not so much focused on the people, it's focused on the actual actions. And it just sort of felt quite helpless. Like, it's just like, that's it. And I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it does. It, it's the the sense of despair again um mm. as, as with um with dark water but also what's quite interesting is it's because we, you've got all the different stories it does feel like it's a book of short stories that are sort of interconnected mm. somehow yeah that helps it with with the pacing i think yes it does definitely it feels like lots it feels like lots of creepy pastas not like one creepy pasta extended to 100 minutes like i said earlier <laughs> mm. it's like it's it's good creepy pasta though to taste the difference creepy pasta <laughs> I think it reinforces that inevitability as well. Yeah. Because each time it mm. kind of starts a new story, it's like, oh my god, you are so fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not going to get out of this. It's all right, and it's it's definitely got its moments. It's got some great memorable imagery, but um, but yeah, I think I think I found all of um, like I said, Kaiko and Toshio, their little pop up moments too too funny rather than scary, <laughs> you know. Like, oh, she's under the bed. Oh, she's in her blouse. Oh, you know, she's in the shower. <laughs> I did really enjoy when he pops up in the tea room. Yeah, that's a good bit. A bit cake it's funny. Table. It's funny yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, bits of it are quite funny. But as I said, it, it was only when it was like the, the mashup film, the Sadako versus um, Kayako, that um, I had like a proper full on laugh at um, mm. Toshio and his, his cat noises. But <laughs> the, the noises they make. The groany throat noises oh. is particularly ah. fun to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're very good at that. Why? Can't... Yeah. yeah, it just reminded me of. Um, I bet. I bet CJ knows this. You know, um, old Date Bass's first solo album. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, the start of side two. <laughs> wow, she was just really stoned the whole time. <laughs> oh my god, it really is. <laughs> On a while. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyone else got any more to say about this? I don't know. This this is the first J horror film that I ever saw. Uh, watched it with my dad, and uh, watched it when I was quite young. And he used to do that noise outside my bedroom door <laughs> oh. um, when I went to go to sleep at night. So that's the thing I remember the most from this film. That's cold. <laughs> <laughs> that's really harsh. <laughs> Um, I preferred the remake to be honest. I thought he, um, I thought because uh, obviously directed by Takashi Shimizu. I thought setting it, keeping it set in Tokyo was a really good idea. 
Mm. Um, and I think it uh, just improves on a lot of the things that I found flawed in this version. So. I think it's it's a lot more accessible as a as a story. Like it frames it a lot more around the the Rika substitute character that they give to Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, but I think it, it reminded me of like when you go and see a band a lot and they're not like they haven't put anything on record. They're they're just like a live band and they have a load of songs and you go and see them a load of times and you hear the songs and they're great songs. And then eventually they get a record contract and they go into the studio and they've been playing these songs for so long. But even though they put them down and they're still those songs, they just don't have that same like energy and that roughness that, that you fell in love with. And, that, and that, that was the problem with the remake for me. Like it was fine, but it just didn't have that, that edge that, that the original uh, John films had. But it does have gore. And that kept me interested. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I'm a gorehound. I'm a gorehound. I can't believe I'm the one who's, who's trying to defend like Subtle goreless horror. <laughs> Usually yeah. I'm like, more slime, more slime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, spirits be gone. It's time for a game of scary noises. <laughs> As usual, it's CJ and Bryony versus Emily and Luke. And of course, one half of each pair of scary noises will be from a Japanese ghost story. Though I've had to be a bit creative when picking so-called dialogue from a couple of these. Uh, so watch out for that. Um, here's your first pair of scary noises. You tell him I've got Boone under control. Don't trust him. He changes. Sure he does. Hi, Gorman. He was right about the motel. So what? So maybe there are others. What are you talking about? Monsters? <laughs> a cult. I don't know. We should check it out. You want to go out there? Yeah. Okay, we'll go out there. Was the dialogue from 1408? No. Okay, then. Uh, can I guess the music is Dark Water? Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, Emily and Luke. Good start. Uh... Is, is the music Nori the Curse? No. The music was Tomia, and uh. the dialogue was Nightbreed. Oh, wow. Oh, terrible. fuck. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm. Damn. Okay, number two. <laughs> uh, yes, Luke. Is the dialogue Don't Look Up? It is. The laughing is Don't Look Up, yeah. <laughs> That's all I can... <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the music. Do you want to guess the music, you and, you and Emily? No, oh, I don't know. Nah. All right, uh, CJ and Bryony, can you get the music here? Oh, Some jello shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go with Don't Torture a Duckling? Yeah, it's not that. It's the Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> Can I get a half point for weird Italian shit? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> uh, here's your third pair. It's Pulse, the, the ooing. Yep. You didn't even get as far as the dialogue on that. So no, so... I'll put it down for one point. Thank you. <laughs> Emily and Luke, can you get can you get the dialogue on this? Daddy, you scared me. 
I think that might actually be the scariest noise I've ever had on this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's going to be haunting my nightmares I... for about a week. So. <laughs> yeah, I can't think what Daddy You Scared Me is. Daddy You Scared Me was from The Possession. Okay, uh, number four. Yes, CJ. Is the dialogue from the 2004 Grudge? Yes. Mm. Which is set in Tokyo, therefore it counts as a Japanese ghost story. I'm not sure about the music. I wasn't really listening. I was focusing on the, the dialogue because I thought, oh, I recognise this. Um, Bryony, were you listening to the music? I was. It sounded quite B-movie could, 50. Could you sing it for me? <laughs> I might have ended the flourish at the end. Um, uh-huh. The only one that comes to mind is them, but I don't think it is them. It's um, not them. Friend. It's not them. Uh-huh. It's not them. Emily and Luke, can you get the music? No. Emma still hasn't said a word to me. No, he won't come down. Yes, I'm sure he's Japanese. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, Alex. No? No. Uh, okay, uh, that was from um, Sisters, the Brian De Palma film. Uh, I thought it sounded a bit like sort of Tom and Jerry music from the 50s. Number five. I can see your house from up here! <laughs> yes, Friday. The music is from The Curse. It's not. Oh, oh shoot. No, I was so I confident. thought that's when they were doing the ritual. It sounded a lot like yeah. it. Do you want to guess the dialogue? I could only guess one missed call for the woo-woo-woo-woo-woos. No, it's neither of those. Oh, so Emily and Luke, right. music and dialogue to get here. I can see your house from up here! Oh, yeah, yeah, I just got a lot of fun. No idea. No? The the music was um the exorcism scene in Paranormal Activity 2 Tokyo Night. Oh, oh of course it was. And the dialogue was from Jack Frost. Wow. <laughs> so it's currently two one to CJ and Bryony, and this is the last pair. from the perfection oh yeah it is well done thank you oh, and the the screaming yeah uh is from uh oh, they all have bloody screaming in um <laughs> cj can we help narrow it down to screamy scream oh hang on screamy woman uh no luke emily <laughs> No. 
I was just holding out for the, the shouty song at the end of Sadako versus Kayako. And- uh, Friendship, uh, maybe, uh, I don't same. know. Gonna do a killing. Let's go, go. <laughs> it was Sakabi Retribution. All right, so that is a 3-1 to CJ and Bryony. Yay. Cool. You must now forward this podcast to at least five of your friends or you'll be cursed <laughs> to watch nothing but the remake of Pulse on a loop forever. Uh, you'll find us on Twitter at DevilX5 and also on Facebook and Letterboxd. Before we go, uh, let's have a quick rundown of our high and low of 2019, as this is our last episode of the year. CJ, go for it. My high, uh, after careful consideration, uh, is Three from Hell, the Rob Zombie film. Uh, There are a couple of movies that I really enjoyed this year, but I think Three from Hell just did it for me because it was so unlike anything else made this year. Uh, In fact, it seemed like a bit of a fuck you to everything else that was made this year. And I just enjoyed the gleeful rebellion of that. And I love Rob Zombie. So yeah, Three from Hell was great. That was my high. My low was Annabelle Go Home, uh, (laughs) as I think it was called. Uh, And yeah, that was just absolute crap. I think I already ranted about that at the time. You have several times incoherent nonsense written by a fucking dog so um yeah yeah <laughs> uh look uh my low is gonna be black christmas um i know we already spoke about it but uh this film just drained me from watching it in the cinema like <laughs> I, I wish i could i wish i could put cats as my low because cats is a horror <laughs> but uh black christmas <laughs> is is a true abysmal film that doesn't understand it it wants to be a feminist film but makes all its characters be really badly done it doesn't understand how humans speak there's a sorority speaking about their top three animals at one point which i'm not sure what 20 year olds are speaking about their top three animals (laughs) and uh the final fight is what was shown in the trailer that is just a minute long fight and then it just uh, ends abruptly and is horrible to watch and has nothing to do really with the original uh my high is going to be another film that cj hates but uh, ready or not is going to be my high oh. but it was a pick so so it was a pick between another film that you hate midsummer um was one of my because oh. mm. my highs it was midsummer it was picked between midsummer ready or not or us um oh like my us. god i didn't like all three but, of those but Ready or Not was just one that I, I saw twice in the cinema. Um, I really enjoyed it. thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it was pretty ridiculous. and just I've always liked Radio Science's stuff, except for The Devil's Jew. But I've always liked um, their stuff, and I really enjoyed Ready or Not. Briley. All right, my low is uh, Midsummer. Uh, for reasons we've gone into, it was just a big bit of a disappointment. Characters I didn't really care about and <laughs> not enough violence towards them um, <laughs> because they were assholes. I think I've only been to the cinema like three times this year um, because I'm on Universal Credit, so we don't go out much. Um, so even though it was my low, it was at least it's the one film that was made this year that made me think uh, it's The Lighthouse. So that's going to be my highlight. Um because I guess it was the best of a bad bunch for me. All right. Emily? Um, well, my high is going to be, well, I was thinking of either Us or Midsummer, which neither of which are perfect films by any means, but they are both interesting. Um, but I think I'm going to have to, I'm afraid, Cliff picks Satanic Panic, because I really enjoyed it. I just thought it was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, and <laughs> my low my was... Uh, okay. 
and um, my low was, you know, I mem- do you remember a couple of months ago I was talking about a film called Dark Matter by a guy called Mole Smith, who is basically the real yeah. life Garth Marenghi. Mm. Yeah. The obligatory yeah, yeah. Garth Marenghi mention of the of this episode. Um, he <laughs> made a film this year called um, Chair to Everywhere, uh, which wow. is kind of like a Dr. Frankenstein type thing with um, time travel and a lot of nudity, um, of which an IMDb re- review wrote, there are a lot of naked ladies, but it's okay because it's not sexual. <laughs> Put it this way, if you were Ken Russell, you could get away with time travelling, multiple amounts of nudity and really, really bad animated fake lightning. But this guy isn't, and it's it's very bad. Uh, and my high... Uh, no, what should I do? My low first. Uh, my low was um, Between the Darkness, a.k.a. Come Said the Night, the uh, kind of Monday indie American folk horror that I talked about on episode 32, if you want to listen to me rant about that. And uh, my high is The Perfection, as heard on Scary yeah. Noises just now, because I don't remember the last time that a film gave me quite the sort of, oh, fuck, I really wouldn't want this to happen to me sort of thing. Um, and when I saw the little kid puking on the bus on in Tenerife, mm-hmm. I yeah. thought, here we go, here we go. <laughs> so that's the highs and lows of, uh, of 2019. And next month, we'll be riding the ups and downs of the Hellraiser franchise. So have a very happy new year and join us at the end of January. Until then, thanks for listening.